Our theme today is a verse that's from our Torah reading. Regards his vengeance is mine, I will repay. And my question is, who gets to say vengeance is mine? You'll see in a few moments why I've chosen this subject. But it's very apropos to this season of repentance because we need during this time to not only repent of what we've done, but repent of the ways in which our, our aspirations, our ideation, our imaginations are offensive to God. When God destroys the earth during the time of Noah, he said all the, all the thoughts and imaginations of their hearts are only evil continually. That is something which brings the judgment of God. The thoughts and the imaginations of our hearts. And so as we're coming to Yom Kippur, as we're living in a time of the year when um, we are most inclined to deal with our stuff, this is something on which the Torah focuses us and which I wish to focus us today. So let's go. Yom Kippur is a time for repenting for all kinds of sins. Sins of commission, uh, sins of omission, sins of deed, sins of word, and yes, sins of thought. We see that in our liturgy, which we'll be looking at on Yom Kippur morning. One of our prayers says this, May it be your will, Adonai, our God and God of our ancestors, through the blood of Yeshua's sacrifice, to grant atonement for all our sins, to forgive all our iniquities, and to pardon all our transgressions. And then it begins to talk about the kinds of sins we're repenting of and asking forgiveness for. For the sin we committed in your sight by sinning willfully, and for the sin we committed in ignorance. For the sin we committed in your sight by sinning rebelliously, and for the sin we committed through weakness. For the sin we committed in your sight by what we have done, and for the sin we committed by what we have neglected to do. And then this, for the sin we committed in your sight by evil thoughts, and for the sin uh, we committed by evil deeds. For all these, O oh God of forgiveness, forgive us, pardon us, and grant us atonement. So let's talk about evil thoughts. First of all, evil thoughts will occur to us. That's not, they're not there for sins. It's a reflex. Someone does you wrong and your reflex is malicious in some way. And that reflex is evidence of our human brokenness, our human fallenness. But such thoughts need to be rightly handled. And it's when we don't rightly handle them that we get, we get ourselves in trouble. Situationally, we get ourselves in trouble with our brothers and sisters. We get ourselves in trouble with God. When we don't handle these 
very natural thoughts. We don't handle them rightly. I'm going to show you a little more about that. It says in James that each person is being tempted whenever he's being dragged off and enticed by the bait of his own desire. Notice, you have a desire. The problem is, is when you allow that, that desire to have control of you, to drag you in some direction, to entice you in some way. I don't want any of you to go out of this study today uh, feeling, condemning yourself for thoughts that occur to you. Someone has said, these thoughts are like birds that nest, that, 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 that land on your head. You can't stop that, but you can keep them from building a nest. And you've got to keep these thoughts from nesting in your head by dragging you off and enticing you. Desire is bait, but not sin until we take the bait. Then, as it says in James, having conceived, the, the bait drags us off, entices us, and then it conceives something. It, it gives birth to something. It gives birth to sin. The sin is the coddling of desires so that they become overgrown, leading to obsession and even action. We take the bait. I've got to tell you that there's a, a Jewish believer, not a member of our synagogue, who did me wrong about 10 years ago in certain ways. And um, for the majority of these 10 years, he's been on my mind. Uh, I've thought, should I go to this guy and talk to him? No, it won't do any good. But it's just been living there. And that's where you get into trouble. The, the thought that, that someone did you wrong and you're upset with them, uh, and, and maybe even that, boy, I'd like to do him some wrong, that thought is not necessarily sin until we nurse it, we coddle it, we take the bait. And when that sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. I'll give you a little more. Vengeance as an evil thought. It's a natural response to the perception of having been unfairly treated. You want to take vengeance because you believe that something has happened that was unfair. In many cases, it's obscenely unfair. But vengeful thoughts drag us off and entice us, and we tend to coddle such thoughts and keep them alive. Think of Cain and Abel. God accepted Abel's offering and didn't accept Cain's offering. Cain goes off and sulks. He's nursing vengeful thoughts. And look what God says to him. He says, sin is crouching at the door. It wants you, but you can rule over it. You see that? His vengeful thoughts are not necessarily sin. But if they're not dealt with, if he doesn't rule over those thoughts, it creates an opportunity for sin. As I said in the Tuesday night Bible study, in the Wednesday night Bible study, I think it was, I said, uh, the Bible says in uh, Ephesians 4.27, be angry, 
but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Anger is a natural response to being offended, to being misused in some way. It's like blushing. You don't repent for blushing. It's a physiological response. But don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let it live there and make a nest in your head and nurture it and feed it and coddle it. Don't make the mistake that Cain made. Sin was crouching at the door, looking for the opportunity that these vengeful thoughts could create. And God said to him, sin wants you, Cain, but you can rule over it. Cain coddled his desire for revenge. It became an overgrown obsession. Then he took the bait, and when that sin was fully grown, it gave birth to death, the death of his own brother. So, God's vengeance was mentioned four times in today's parasha. Verse 35, God says, vengeance and payback are mine. Verse 41, I will render vengeance to my foes. I'll repay those who hate me. And twice in verse 43, sing out, you nations, about his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will render vengeance to his adversaries and make atonement for the land and his people. In the middle of this picture, the guy uh, in the back, the fourth from the left, uh, is Abba Kovner. I invite you to go on the internet and read about him. He was born in Sebastopol, Russia, but he grew up in Vilna, Lithuania. He was a poet. And when the Nazis came in to Lithuania and began dealing with the Jews in Vilnius, where he lived, or Vilna, the Nazis in a few months killed 40,000 Jews in Vilna. They buried them in the forest. By the way, that's what happened to my father's village. All the Jews in my father's shtetl, 2,500 of them actually, 3,000 including some brought in from the concentration camp. They were taken out to the forest and killed by their neighbors in a shtetl where the largest building was a church. Abakovner realized early that the Nazis were out to kill all the Jews in Europe. And he issued a, an alarm to, to um, enlist the young to fight. He says, let us fight to our deaths. Let's not die uh, 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 at the mercy or the lack of mercy of our tormentors. And he became a resistance fighter. And he formed a group, the Nakamim, the Avengers. Then by the end of the war, uh, the end of the war, he traveled around, he visited some of the concentration camps. He went into the forest uh, where his village had been buried and saw 40,000, a grave of 40,000 people. And he became obsessed with revenge. Um, and let me say, I can't blame him. So at the end of the... Uh, war, he 
formed a group called Nakam, which means vengeance. Uh, the other was Nakamim, this is Nakam, which vengeance. And their goal was to kill six million Germans. That was their, their goal in retribution for the death of the six million Jews. One of the things they did is one of them got a job in a bakery that was uh, supplying bread to Stalag 13, a place where many German prisoners of war were housed. And they went and they painted all the bread with arsenic. Uh, I think it was 3,000 loaves of bread. Um, from what I read, the people there got sick, but they didn't die. Some people think that there was death. We don't know. Uh, eventually, uh, uh, Abakovna married one of the women in this picture. I think it's the woman on your right-hand side. They went to Israel. He became a hero in Israel. He received the Israel Prize as a poet. Um, uh, it's easy for us to stand in judgment. I don't think I don't think probably none of us do, but it's easy to stand in judgment. But when you've experienced what he experienced, and when you've seen what he's seen, the impulse to vengeance is profound. This is Abba uh, Ara Nurizayan. He's a, Lib a Lebanese Armenian. He teaches psychology at the University of British Columbia. And one of his uh, books, he says this, the more, uh, he, he doesn't, this is, this is not a quote, but this is a summary of his thought. He said, the more you believe in a God of vengeance, the more you will be able to live peaceably, knowing that this God will take care of matters sooner or later. It's an interesting thought. If we believe that what God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. If we really believe it, then we can relinquish the impulse of revenge because the impulse of revenge is really joined to a passion for justice. It's unjust. Oh my God, it's unjust what the Nazis and their compliant, the compliant citizens in Lithuania and Poland and elsewhere, to say it's unjust that what they did to the Jews is the grossest understatement that's ever come out of my lips. This injustice cries out for vengeance, cries out for an evening, an evening of the score cries out for justice. But if we truly believe that God is a God of justice, that no one gets away with anything, then for the matters large and small, where we have vengeful thoughts and vengeful obsessions, we can let it go. Because we know that nobody gets away with anything. I want to tell you a story. I knew a woman years ago who's, uh, when I met her, the most obvious thing about her was her rage. Her rage was because her grandfather had raped her three times a week from the time she was 11 to the time she was 17. 
It was her step-grandfather. Her grandmother was in a wheelchair, and the grandfather told her, well, if you tell on me, it'll kill your grandmother. Eventually, the mother of this woman discovered what the old man was doing. She laid in wait for him with a rifle, and she caught the SOB. She didn't kill him. She was taken off by the police and came home in three days. But this woman that I'm talking about uh, was in her 40s when I met her. It had been decades, three decades since she'd been abused. And she was consumed with rage and vengeful thoughts, but it controlled her life. So God gave me wisdom. And I give God glory. Uh, I, I looked up on the internet. I, she had a little information about this old man. I found that he'd been dead for five years. But she was still enraged. So I told her that it's kind of like in a court where you take somebody's case and you put it on a docket where a judge is going to deal with it. I said, I want you to take your, your grandfather and put him on Yeshua's docket. Yeshua is the judge. And with Yeshua, nobody gets away with anything. He is a God of full justice. So she did that. And she was released. There's a lesson here for us. As we pray during these days of awe, if you, like me, have some vengeful thoughts that have been nesting in your head, remind yourself that nobody gets away with anything. And um, you don't have to be the arbiter of justice in a situation like that. Let God be the arbiter of justice. So, I think I have three reminders. First, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says Adonai. You can believe that. Secondly, uh, two reminders. We can relinquish the lust for revenge if we will remember that vengeance belongs to God and indeed, he will repay. So may God help me as I deal with uh, old thoughts, uh, bring them to God, seek his comfort for the offenses that I suffered, seek his help to let go, and let God be the one who will take care of matters. We read in our first Corinthians study this past week, where Paul talks about the fact that members of the Corinthian congregation were going to law against each other. They had disputes, and they were going to law before pagan Roman courts. And he says, this is a disgrace. Uh, you should not do this. Uh, we're going to judge angels. And does that mean, can you, do you mean to tell me that in, in our ranks, we have no one in our own ranks who's able to judge minor offenses. And then he says this, 
He says, why not rather just suffer wrong? Just let it go. Now, the reason we can let it go is twofold. Number one, show your offender more mercy than they showed you. And number two, vengeance is God's. He will repay. Justice, the scales of justice will be fully balanced sooner or later. I hope this helps you. It helps me. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's have a prayer. Father, you've created a very rich universe. You've created us in your image and the human personality is extraordinarily ornate, complex, deep and rich. It's a mystery that we cannot fully plumb. And in the midst of our human condition, sometimes we commit injustices, sometimes we suffer them, and sometimes we deal well with what we've done and what has been done to us, and sometimes we don't deal with it at all. And sometimes we deal poorly. And like Cain, we don't realize that sin is crouching at the door. We don't heed your word that we must master it. And uh, things happen that displease you. So we're broken to a degree, Father, where we cannot fix ourselves. Only you can fix us. So we pray that during this season, we would present ourselves to you for repair. And that to the degree that we're harboring vengeful thoughts that only increase the darkness, help us to relinquish them to you, that the light might shine in to the glory of your name. We ask these things in the name of Yeshua, who himself was, is, and ever shall be, the light of the world. Amen. <laughs>